My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Create Fine and is produced by Mecco Radio. Hey guys, Alex jumping in just before we get into today's show to recommend you check out literally every other show from Mecco Radio. You can do that by going to meccoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. Can't wait to see you over there. Thanks for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by Malade Oshibodu. This is going to be a super cool episode. Malade has worked and studied and lived all over the world. It's awesome, and I, I am seriously jealous. We go to Nigeria, South Africa, the US, and Canada in this conversation. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Malade Ashibodu, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to have you here. We met like two months ago, I think now, right? I it was in so. January, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always let the guest tell the story. So if you want to jump in, let people know how we got in touch. Right. So Alex and I, along with some what, 100 and something people, I don't remember, um, got accepted to the Hot Docs uh, Podcast Festival Accelerator Program. And uh, during the meet and greet, well, I think, well, I, I suppose I first saw you, well, I didn't see you, I read your post on Facebook in the in the Facebook group that was written. Um, I'm pretty sure you commented on my post. But we met uh, during the meet and greet over Zoom. Uh, and you were in my small group twice, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we got to to chat a little bit about the different things that we're doing and the podcast that you want to start. And I remember, I don't remember what the idea was, but I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. Like, I need to, I need to talk to you more about this. Uh, but and, and we might get into that later. We'll certainly get into that after the interview. But in the meantime, I like to start with where you're from originally. Where where did Malade start? Lagos, Nigeria. Um, grew up there. Big city. Um, although I feel like I haven't actually really enjoyed the big city-ness of Lagos because I left when I was 16. And prior to that, I started boarding school when I was nine about to be 10, but I was still nine when I started boarding school and I graduated when I was 15. So I was gone most of those um, six years, not, and my boarding school was sort of far away from home. Um, So I feel like I haven't actually done, I always said that I haven't done Lagos as an adult in the way that I would want to, because I go home and I visit, but I spend so much time with my nieces when I'm home that I, I don't really do much else around town, but that's where I grew up. Interesting. Okay, so tell me then, since maybe you didn't enjoy too much of the city aspect of Lagos, what what was it like for you growing up there, assuming that you did spend a lot of your time there? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I was there until until 16, right? Yeah, I moved to the States when I was 16. Um, I, I love the hustle and bustle of Lagos. I mean, I... Even though saying this now, I feel like, of course, I'm speaking from a nostalgic point of view because, I mean, when I visit, the hustle and the bustle is both 
nice and also horrendous <laughs> at the same time. Um, but I do, I, I really enjoy that part. I enjoy, well, I suppose even the time, uh, the time period when I grew up, uh, of course, was slower. I didn't have a cell phone until I think I was 15, maybe, and I had graduated um, from secondary school at that time. So didn't have a computer at home. So it just felt slow. I mean, it felt like we could just be, play outside and do things like that. So I really did enjoy that. And I love the food. I love the food. Nothing beats Nigerian food and music and music because music started, the music started coming up around, you know, perhaps maybe my last three or so years is when our music really became like, Good. And I, the, the, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I love the, the music of my parents' generation. But when the music sort of of my generation started and became more mainstream, um, that that was that was fun. Yeah, I know. So I mentioned to you that I interviewed a Nigerian uh, last year. Princess is her name. And she uh, she told me all about all about the music and everything. So I think if if people go listen to that episode, I actually have linked in the show notes a ton of nigerian artists she sent me a list oh, and fun. and i linked all of them i went and listened to their music i was like this is incredible yeah uh and <laughs> like very very good very good music um yeah so and super cool culture so you like i guess because you live in canada now right i do but i'm okay, new here so, right uh, i'm I'm curious what like the contrast is of like the the culture of of Nigeria like cuz I'm you know you grew up with it so that was just normal to you right do you um do you miss it do you find ways to like uh get back into it while while you're living in Canada like what's your relationship like with the with the culture back home I feel like it's a part of me, so it doesn't, I don't think about it in that way, um, especially because I've lived in different places, right? Um, since I had moved to the States, I was here for, I was there for eight years, and then I moved to South Africa, I was there for five years, then I moved back to the States before I came here. Um, but I don't, in many ways, I probably am still holding on to, and st still have a lot of the cultural aspects when I was growing up. I mean, although thanks to Twitter and things like that, I mean, I keep up with, with all things Nigerian Twitter um, as best as I can, but it doesn't, I don't feel like much has changed. I mean, I eat, I mean, I eat pretty diverse uh, uh, meals, but I still, Nigerian food is a staple. Uh, my, my lunch was Nigerian food <laughs> today. Um, my closest friends are Nigerians. I'm very close to my family who are Nigerian. So I just feel I talk to my 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 older sister lives in Nigeria. And, um, my parents are Nigerian. I speak to them pretty at least once a week. Uh, I speak my language. So I still feel it doesn't feel like much has changed. I mean, I'm pretty Nigerian. So, yeah. Right, right. And I, I think that's the amazing part about the Internet, right? And about uh, kind of global societies, you get to interact with, like you still get to see Nigerian friends and spend time with them and eat Nigerian food. And, you know, whereas, you know, 100 years ago, 
you leave your country, you send letters home, you know, and, and hope it makes the voyage across the ocean and stuff, right? Right. I mean, you don't have to go a hundred years. I was sending letters, right, back in the early days. Um, but yeah, I, I think if people who maybe lose the, the cultural aspect or, or feel like they don't feel Nigerian enough, whatever that means, and I don't feel like anyone should be a, a culture police on, on what makes you part of whatever community um, you're a part of. Um, I, I don't I don't believe that we should have a scale that we're using to see how Nigerian are you. Now, people have tried to do that with me and I, I fully reject that. But I think because I did, there is something about finishing your secondary school in a place. And I did. And I was in boarding school, right? And boarding school in Nigeria is not like where rich kids go to. Um, so it's 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 not how it is maybe in other places. Um, so I feel like having that and still being in touch with a n number of my secondary school friends. But even without that, in university, my closest friends were still Nigerians, <laughs> even though I wasn't in Nigeria. So I feel like having that community around me certainly just... It keeps me Nigerian still. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So you you mentioned boarding school, uh, and and you say that it's it's probably different from what I'm imagining, uh, because you know I grew up in Canada, so I have a different idea of what school is and boarding school, and you know, and so may, maybe if you could fill fill me in on on what that experience was like for you. Yeah. Um... I mean, boarding school in Nigeria, I'm not sure if that part has changed, but growing up, that's what everyone did. We all went to boarding school. In fact, you were probably made fun of if you chose to be a day scholar. It was just really? it was part of, yeah, it was just part of the thing. You go to boarding school. Um, my school was in Badagri, which is right on the border of Nigeria with uh, Benin Republic, Benin Republic. We pronounce it Benin Republic. Um, and so it just was, we were, it felt like we were out of the country almost when there were uprisings um, going on in Lagos. It didn't really affect us because we we're just so far away. The reality is I don't think we we're actually that far away. It's just the rules were so bad that it felt even further. <laughs> um, but yeah, boarding school, man, my boarding school in particular was, it. like I said, it, it wasn't where the wealthy went. Um, you would definitely see bugs in food. Um, you, uh, you know, you had to go fetch your water and I do mean fetch. It wasn't like you were getting your, your water to shower. You weren't getting it from a tap. Like you would go to the well. Um, we had a bunch of wells on campus and you would literally get your, <laughs> your pail, throw it in there and take it out. Um, and so, yeah, so that was what, yeah, boarding school was just, but I don't, I don't regret any of it. And I look back with such fun memories. I mean, there were some terrible parts of it um, just because of the culture was that those who are older than you, you call them senior. So if you were older than me in boarding school, I would have to address you as senior Alex. Um, and there was this hierarchy and the seniors could treat the juniors pretty badly. Um, and it just was seen as the culture. It wasn't seen as bullying or anything like that. So that part of it wasn't great. Um but it really shaped me into who I am. Like when you learn to just survive with so little, um, you you 
yeah, I, it, it shapes you and molds you in a way that ugh, very little can phase you. So, yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, I've I've never um, I've never heard of anybody's experience like that before on the show. So that was, I would say, that was my version of boarding school. There were fancy boarding schools, um, even in Lagos. Still, I mean, they were very fancy. Mine was a public. Um, it was a Lagos State uh, public school. Um, so it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't fancy. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. And you, so you would go away to the school and then right. how often would you go home? I've been trying to remember that I, I always forget. I will say parents were allowed to come visit. So visiting day was the, if I remember correctly, the first Sunday of the month. Okay. So, and there were no phones. And that's the part that makes me, that I look back on so fondly because people just would recognize who your parents are. And, you know, and they would come and run to your room that your parents are here, your parents are here. Because they, they weren't allowed to come inside um, the dorm. So you would just have to go and look out and, and try to see if you've seen your parents. Which is so funny, right? Yeah. To think about those days that it wasn't about, you didn't get a phone call. You just did things pretty retro. Um, but, wait, I just lost my train of thought. What was the question you asked me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, oh, I was asking about how often you saw your parents. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Or so and how home, often you went home. Yeah. I remember that each term, I want to believe each term we had midterm breaks and we had three terms. So we would have a midterm break for, I think, two weeks. Um, and your parents would come get you and bring you back. Um, and then we had the long summer break. Although I've been trying to remember how long it was, maybe maybe two months of a summer holiday but but yeah that was it otherwise we were in school and we weren't we weren't allowed to leave campus um but our boarding school was really big so there was a lot of space to move around um but we couldn't leave we couldn't leave the premises though interesting okay that's a really neat experience and then you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you were done at 15 is that right i was i was yeah and so is that is that normal or were you just like super smart I don't think I was super smart, but it depends on how you look at it. So my parents said I they put they made me start school early because I started talking early. And there wasn't an age, at least at the time, no one stopped them. There was no such a thing as you start school when you're five or six or whatever it was. So and I, I never skipped the grade. I which blows my mind because I don't know how that made sense. I I didn't skip any grades from, I mean, I, I definitely had kindergarten and I think we also had a grade called nursery. Um, and then grade one through six and then grade seven through 12, I went through every single one and I finished at 15. So I, my maturity level wasn't great, <laughs> I would say, but um, yeah, my birthday is in November. So I, I finished at 15, but then in June, but then I, I turned 16 a few months later. But yeah, I mean, it's not it's it's not uncommon, but it's also not super common. I would say that. But it's certainly not. It's not unique. That is so interesting to me. That is very cool. Hey, guys, Alex popping in here just halfway through the show to remind you that we've got other great shows coming from Mecco Radio. And I can't say much yet, but there are some really cool things that we're working on. Some projects that have been kind of percolating in the back of my mind. So make sure you go to mechoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O 
radio.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mecco Radio to get all the updates as new projects come up. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Did you go immediately to university? You said you studied in the US, right? Yeah, but no, I didn't because once again, uh, retro, <laughs> Lagos times um, and where we were at the time. Uh, because I was pretty young and I had gone to the school that didn't have computers or anything, we didn't even have it at home. My parents thought that it would be good to take a, a year off. Um, and so I used that year off. I actually went to computer school <laughs> and learned how to use Microsoft Word and all the things um, when I finished high school, which is once again, wild to think about. Um, and then I, I moved to the States a year after. So I started university when I was 16. Um, but I was, that was in August. And once again, my birthday is in November. So I was 17 a few months later, but I did start at 16. Wow. Okay. That is, I know. that is so I know. fascinating. Uh, <laughs> that, wow. That is very cool. Okay. And then, and then what did you study at university? I was an electrical engineering major, and that's an interesting story because as many immigrant families, I, I don't even think it's it's not unique to Nigeria. It's not unique to Africa. I think I've heard different versions of this um, in other places. You know, you are you have very few options of what you should study, right? That is seen as um, legit. So being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an engineer, that actually, those are the three that I remember knowing. And I loved math. Um, always have. And so I started off as a computer engineering major, absolutely detested programming. Oh my goodness. I hated it so much. Um, and I remember telling my parents that, you know what? I called them and I told them that I, I really just want to be a math major. And they said that what being a math major means being a teacher. And if you want to be a teacher, come back to Nigeria, <laughs> which I wasn't ready to do. I was like, what? Because um, they're like, we're not going to spend all this money sending you to America to be a teacher. And so I decided on a compromise. I switched to electrical engineering, which had less programming and more math and double majored in math. And so that was that was a nice compromise for them. Very cool. Okay. And then and then you mentioned going to South Africa. So did you graduate and then go get a job in South Africa? Is that how that worked out? No. Remember how I told you? Well, this was in the in the in, in the pre pre warm up that my life is a zigzag because it really is. Um, so no. So I graduated in twenty nope two thousand and six. Some people say twenty oh six, which I think is so odd. But two thousand six. People say that. I guess I've heard they a few people wrong. say 2006 <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? Um, uh, in the, during the, the impeachment, was it the impeachment trial? No, it was during the, I think after the insurrection, that was the first time I actually heard Mitch McConnell said 20 something and the internet Twitter went wild. What is that? <laughs> and who says that? But I've since heard one more person say it. So apparently people think that's okay. But anyway, um, so I, I graduated in 2006, uh, got a job in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I definitely did a tour of the South because my undergrad degree was in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and then I studied, I, I worked for a year, went on to get my master's in, in applied mathematics and decided I, I really wasn't sure what to do with my life. I didn't want to go back to Nigeria yet. 
Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was in status in the in the US. So I decided, you know what? I love math. I discovered um, a field called mathematics education during my master's program that I did not know existed before. And it made more sense for me. I loved math, but I didn't really care to get a PhD in math, but I knew that I loved teaching and math education just made more sense. So I started my PhD at the University of Georgia, um, was there for a year. My PhD in mathematics education was there for a year and then became a college dropout. I like to say that because I think it's funny. That's when I moved to to Johannesburg when this opportunity came about. So that was in 2010. That is all over the place. Yeah. That is a zigzag. I love it. That is awesome. I'm, I'm trying to learn to embrace the, the zigzag of my life. The zigzag. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, okay. So you're in Johannesburg. Right. Um, and then, and then where are we going from there? Um, that was a really transformative experience. Uh, I was teaching at um, the African Leadership Academy, which is such a, it's just the mission of the school is fantastic. It's to develop the future generation of African leaders, which is pretty daunting. I, I joined the school in its third year. Um, and, you know, it's, it basically was still a startup at the time. So it was, it was, it was, it was nice to help build. Um, though it was also frustrating, as you might imagine. But it was the first time in my life, first of all, living in a different African country, number one. But I also got to meet people from all over the continents that I hadn't met before. Um, and I mean, one of my closest friends is from Mauritius. I had never met anyone from Mauritius before. I had students from Madagascar, um, from all over North Africa, all over Sub-Saharan Africa, including Cape Verde. I mean, places that I just, I knew on the map, but I had just never met anyone. So it was just, it was really transformative. And I do feel like um, that was the place where I sort of developed a mission and a goal for my life. It, it gave me purpose. And that purpose was to really um, do work that was humanizing, especially for for Africans. And I would say even more specifically for Sub-Saharan Africans, largely because we're not only African, we're also Black. Um, and and having lived uh, in the U.S. Um, at that time and in South Africa, and of course, being immersed in the history of South Africa, it, it just really fueled my, my desire and my passion to do what drives me now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, but I didn't answer a part of your question because then I was there for five years and moved to Michigan to restart my PhD in mathematics education. Interesting. Okay. I kind of want to, we don't have a ton of time left on the interview, but I'm so fascinated by all of this. Um, you, you mentioned that it was, it was in South Africa that you found what, what ignited that passion, that fuel for what drives you. What is it that, that drives you? Justice for black people. I just, I just, I just want us to live, um, uh, you know, I, I I want people. Actually, I'm not doing this work for 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 the white gays. No, um, for when I think about black people on the African continent and our history, colonization, and our frankly continuous history, um, uh, largely because of colonization and also because of our own <laughs> um, leaders. Um, I just really care about 
work that makes especially young people on the continent know that they are worthy. Um, in, in many ways, I do that through education, specifically through mathematics education. But on a whole, I just, I, I, I hate the phrase when people say, we want to give voice to people. I don't like that because everyone has a voice. I think a better phrase is making space for their voices to be heard. And that's the kind of work that that I do, that I, I strive to do anyway, and, and, and hope that I get the opportunity to do more of in the future. That is awesome. Yeah, that is really awesome. Um, so then you said you went to Michigan yes. to finish up your PhD. Right. And I'm assuming that you did finish it now. I did last year. I was a, the, the, the first set of pandemic non-graduations. Wow. That, yeah. Okay. And then, and then now you're in Canada. I am. Okay. Okay. So that is quite the zigzag. You, you went <laughs> all around uh, the U.S. and, and Canada and Africa and, you know, found this, this passion of yours and teaching math and doing all of these things. Um, man, I, yeah, I have so many things that I'm thinking, oh, we need to talk about that. I want to talk about this. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so fill me in. Um, what's a good, a good question? Cause I, I know I got to make this one count for time. Um, I'm waiting in eager anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's got to be really good because I, I said that it's going to be good. Um, I guess I because guess, after this question, I want to get on to your future. So I guess day to day, what are the things that, that you do to okay. inspire people, encourage people, and make, make space, like you said, for those voices? Um, what are the things you do day to day to to make those efforts to push that forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, right now it it doesn't feel as tangible in the way that I would want it to, but it is there in my writing. Um, uh, as a professor, I have to write, and every one of my writing projects right now is related to, in some way, to Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and so in, in the work that I do, at least um, at York, uh, it is pushing, pushing the um, bounds, pushing the boundaries rather on, on what counts as, as mathematics knowledge, especially when it comes to um, the knowledges that existed pre-colonization and, and shifting away from the notion that um, it is only a Eurocentric way of mathematics or a Eurocentric way of, of education, actually, that counts. So that, that's a lot of the work that I'm doing currently, um, given the pandemic and everything. But I, I do want to be back on the continent, really working with youth once this is all done. Yeah. Interesting. That that moves us perfectly into looking at your future and what you hope for your future. Do you want to go go back to Africa and and start doing um, more of of your work there? Then, I think it would be a a, a nice mix of things. Um, as a professor, we 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 decide on what research projects we want to pursue. 
Um, and you can do that even while working here, right? And so a lot of what I want to do, I mean, right now is is work in Nigeria very specifically, um, which is challenging because, as I said, I haven't spent too much of my adult life in Nigeria in a way that, for instance, I, I got to do in South Africa. Um, but I really think that there is there's so much um, that could be done in the education space, uh, especially in in making it okay for young people to have opinions um, and opinions not equaling uh, being rude <laughs> as it tends to be in, in my context. So really wanting to work with and partner with, if they would have me, um, with different schools and really supporting teachers to support youth and also to work with 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 youth directly. That's that's a big dream of mine for the next um, projects that I have. But in in Canada here, I am also working on um, a, a current project and trying to understand the experiences of of black students in mathematics education. And I say black intentionally because I mean African Canadian. Caribbean immigrants, recent Caribbean immigrants, recent um, Sub-Saharan African immigrants, refu- uh, refugees, all of it. Um, but really interested in in the Black experience in in all its forms in mathematics education. Not a lot of work has been done there, and I really want to understand how how they're doing. Yeah, yeah, that is really interesting. Um, as you as you move forward with all of your goals and all of your hopes and expectations, do you have anything that you look at on the horizon and say, like, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be like. So my dream is to have a podcast empire. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saying this for so many years now. I don't know how it's going to come to be, but that's a dream of mine. And really, um, and I, 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 a podcast empire that has multiple podcasts that I don't necessarily have to be, I'm not even planning to be the one um, at the helm of every podcast. That's not possible. But to really uh, provide a space for others, especially other Africans. Um, to tell different stories, and I, I and I do mean that. Dif- I I love storytelling so much. Um, if it's storytelling around politics, storytelling about just the human experience, um, about the film, um, in TV industry, which is another industry I absolutely love. Um, yeah, just a lot of things that just highlights the diversity of voices, thoughts, opinions, experiences, food. All of it, um, queer experiences on the continent. That that's that's what I really want to be doing. In addition to education, yeah. I yeah. I love this passion and drive you have for education, for creativity, for for building things, and for I and I like how you said making space for those those voices because people have voices mm-hmm. to share. They mm-hmm. have thoughts and feelings and ideas. And and you're working to make space for them. And I think that's something that we all all should be doing. And I love that that's kind of your your thing, you know. Um, and despite that zigzag you were talking about, maybe that's the through line 
right? Maybe. You, you mentioned. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I ask this question at the end of every interview, and I think it it gives an interesting insight into people's experiences, and it gives kind of a nice overview of the interview as well, I find. And it is, at the end of your life, hopefully you've lived plenty more years, and you're looking back at everything you've accomplished so far, everything you're doing now, and everything you've yet to do. When you're looking back at those things at the end of your life, what is it that you're most proud of and satisfied with? That I fought for justice in all its forms. And I do mean that. Um, that I stood for justice, that I wasn't afraid, um, even when it cost me um, to stand for justice. That's, that's my hope. I, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is lovely. This is fun. And thank you, not just for listening to and supporting the show, but also for listening to the people around you. Remember to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.